Hi guys! You should intro. Welcome to another episode. It's not recording. Yes, uh, it is. Oh, I sorry. It was so small. I didn't see it. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum 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 bum. Welcome to another episode. I'm Joey. I'm Molly. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this is Potter Watch. It's part two. A volume two, Science is Magical. I kind of just want Joey to intro them all. Like, we'll just, like, <laughs> clip in every time your voice being like, welcome to another. I can't even do an impression. My, it's so my, booming. My booming timbre. You have a literal voice for radio. A face thank for television, you. but a literal voice I for radio. Face <laughs> well, thank you wow. for, for both of those. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, that I, it just is amazing. All right. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad I am not an ear sore to your listeners. No, I, I think the opposite. I think I am an ear sore to the <laughs> listeners, or at least when I listen back, I'm an ear sore to myself. I am here only for Molly. You're a delight. Oh, thanks. Both of you. You guys are so supportive. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dig in. Dig in. All right, so in this next iteration, um, I want to talk about Weasley's Wizard Wheezies. Yay! Oh, I love them. Uh, specifically, the Skiving Snack Boxes. Um, in in, uh, in my uh, in my attempts to be more medically oriented. Um, Excuse me. Oh my god. <laughs> you okay there? Yes. Uh, we just had dinner. I apologize, listeners. Also, if you didn't listen to part one, go and listen to part one, but you don't need to to listen to this episode, but we might wrap it. Yeah. So. Um, so with we if, so with the, the skiving snack bosses, there are uh, we have these four things that are named. They're fainting fancies, fever fudge, nosebleed nougat, uh, puking pastilles. Which I don't even. What is a pasty? I thought it was pasties. Oh, like it, a pumpkin pasty. Are you sure? No, it's pastilles. Is that like a? Candy? I thought it was pasty. I don't know. Like pasty. I think. Oh, oh wait. Past. Well, I don't pasty. even know what a no, fancy is. Because pumpkin pasty and puking pastels, I think, is different. I thought. I thought it was. It is pastels. Thank you, Sarah Griff. <laughs> it looks like um like um. Like it's a, like a candy. It's like a little yeah. candy. Yeah. But like um, not a mint, but like um, you know, like a, what are those? Like a minto type of candy. Yeah, but I would imagine it would be chewy, or at least yeah. at least something you could bite into. It's well, not yeah, like a hard it has candy. Two different halves. Yeah. Um. I always pictured it, and I know this is wrong, but you know, like that candy <laughs> that you can like lick, and then you dip one side yes. into oh, the oh, a fun oh. dip. Yeah. I thought it was a push pop. I thought that was the push pop. I think probably there were many candies like this. Yeah. But there was one where it was like, it was like kind of a fruity, chalky flavor. And there were two sides and it was marked by a color. And you mm. licked one side and then you dipped it into like a soury type candy. Yeah. Oh, I guess, I guess that, I guess they had push pops that were like that. But yes, okay. Yes. there. Okay. I know what you're talking about with the push pop, but this is something... This something is something different. like a chalk, it's like a chalky stick almost. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm sure somebody else besides me has had this. Unless my parents um, made this specifically for me, but they did not put in that much effort. I think it's fun dip that you're thinking of. Probably. But it, yeah, um, that's what it's always, in my head, that's what it always is to me because of, just because of the two different 
color sides. That was great. But anyway, keep going. Well, well, in that in that vein, like for all of these, they have what no matter what they are, they have like one side that is that gives you the disease and the ailment. Uh, not disease, but ailment, and the other side that that cures you. And so I saw these as being um, akin to uh, drugs that are competitive inhibitors of certain parts of your body, uh, certain molecules in certain parts of your body. So the the way that the way competitive inhibitors work is um, is with any with any drug that's a competitive inhibitor, it goes in and attacks the the uh, protein. Um, the the affected protein by blocking the receptor site of of this protein. So um, say okay. so so it, you have a you have a, a molecule that attaches to a receptor and that enacts some effect. Okay. In your body, like the throwing up or the fainting. So like so so throwing so throwing up would be a uh, so throwing up would be uh, um, well I can the I can, symptom. I can, yeah, was throwing up would be a symptom and. It, it would attack the um, the receptor of a uh, of the chemo of, of a chemo receptor in your medulla, if that makes sense. So right. in in your medulla, you have a chemo receptor, which is a a chemical receptor for um, for different anything in your blood that would trigger that that, that would trigger nausea and vomiting. Um, and so a puking pastille, I can I can start to get into this. A puking pastille, one of the things it would do. Is is instead of being a, a, a an antagonist, it would be an agonist. So antagonist blocks the receptor, agonist activates the receptor. Okay, make sense? Yes. So, uh, and I should I should have said this last time. At Which any makes point, sense literarily. I was hmm? just making an antagonist joke, like literary. Oh, an antagonist. Yes, yes. yes. If you want to think of it like that, yes. Think of it as like an antagonist. I'm sorry. And an agonist is just a and an agonist, a g o n i s t, is just the reverse of that. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, in a literary sense, an agonist would be like not the protagonist, but an assistant to the protagonist, like somebody who has the same motivations as the protagonist and is assisting the protagonist that, to do I, their I journey. An, I thought an antagonist would... An antagonist is someone who has is, in direct opposition right. of the protagonist. And so an agonist would be an assistant to the protagonist. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so for example, so for the puking pastilles, one of its effects would be an agonist for the chemoreceptors in the medulla. So in, in the brain, so... You would take you would take the uh, you would take the 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 orange side or I think it was I think so I think it's the orange side orange and purple that's the two sides yeah yeah I but I, I forget which is the which cure. yeah uh, that, who knows who knows uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you would take the orange side um, it would be absorbed through your stomach because this is this is a it, all of these would be absorbed through the stomach um, because it is uh, it's an almost instantaneous effect. Right. So it it wouldn't wait to go through the small intestine and be absorbed through that. Um, this it's the same way alcohol is generally absorbed, which is why when you take uh, a shot, you can sometimes feel it right away, because it's, it's absorbed directly into the bloodstream through the stomach. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are you feeling like sick, like you normally would if you were like throwing? Out? I would. I would imagine so because a you would want to uh, look the part. You wouldn't want to just throw up um and b i believe it's always described as 
Well, actually, no. It's not described as as being uh, as them looking sickly. Yeah, because fever fudge, I think, would do that. Well, because they do the example of the puking pastilles in the common room, and they're just, like, casually throwing up and then, like, making it disappear and then, like, doing it again. Yeah. There's no, like, buildup of looking nauseous or Those anything. are also prototypes. But that, I think that's yeah, how it's supposed to work. Yeah, that's how yeah. it's supposed to work. So maybe this, <laughs> maybe this is wrong. Um, but I think most of it. But also, you can throw up without feeling super sick. Like if it's an immediate reaction to something. Like some people throw up, like like a gag reflex, and you're so, not psychologically so, so, like if you have like a traumatic thing happen to you, you throw up. But that would also involve some kind of uh, some uh, some kind of uh, um, nausea or some kind of or right. Some that's kind what I'm saying. But like maybe response. they've got a way to like trigger like the it in your brain as opposed to triggering it in terms well, of like that would be that would that would be the that would be the chemo response. right that's what that's that's why i was like oh that makes sense to me because if i am throwing up due to like a traumatic event mm-hmm. like a shock then i'm not feeling like i have the flu yeah i'm it's like just an automatic thing in my brain that's like this is so but then if you use the example for fever fudge like you don't just randomly get, like, a fever. But then that would be more, I think, what you're describing as it would be gradual. Like, uh, for example, people that, like, get really um, get really nauseous due to, like, anxiety. Like, I had a friend that used to get really sick because of her anxiety. And she would not feel, like, ill like mm. we do. But she would just be sick. And I think nausea is is a necessary precursor to, um, uh, to vomiting because it's not, well, or it, 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 as opposed to the gag reflex. And the reason why I did not mm-hmm. include the gag reflex is, um, it's because, it, oh my gosh, am I remembering this right? Um, what's refer the, to your books. Oh my gosh. So this is, this is why I need to go through my books. I'm, I'm looking up the cranial nerves right now. Um, we found it in the book. We okay. think. So I think, I think cranial nerve 10 uh, deals with the gag reflex, and that's why I didn't want to affect it. Um, that's why I didn't think uh, this would affect the, um, the, the, the puking pastilles would affect it, because cranial 10 um, affects a lot of different things. It affects heart rate. It affects, um, it, it affects gut motility. It affects a mm-hmm. lot of stuff, and I think something that general would not be appropriate for the puking pastilles. Right, because right. are we saying that it's like you, whatever that candy's doing, that's like the only symptom. Like if it's fever fudge, you only have a fever. Exactly. And you're only throwing up. And that's, and that, like you're it, not sweating or whatever. Exactly. So I, I think what it comes down to, I, I, so um, I think this is, I think this is a, this is a drug that um, goes for serotonin and gastrin receptors. And let me explain why specifically those two. Mm-hmm. So funnily enough, serotonin, we normally associate with the brain, um, mm-hmm. depression, all that stuff. Yeah. However. All that fun stuff. Fun stuff. However, 90%, I believe about 90% of your serotonin is actually in your gut. Wow. I mean, everyone's talking about gut health these days. So, wow. But but it's released in your gut as, as, uh, as transmitters. So serotonin is actually a major cause of nausea and so and so you have serotonin receptors 
in your gut that deal with gut motility and all that stuff, but they also deal, they also bind to those chemoreceptors in the brain, mm -hmm. in the medulla. And so this is why I'm saying, uh, and serotonin is actually a really like huge, uh, huge thing in, um, in, in gastroenterology, um, which is total side note, but, uh, <laughs> But it seems, but it seems that the puking pastilles would activate those receptors uh, for serotonin in the brain. Okay. And then there's the issue of your your stomach only has so much in it, and the puking pastilles seem to give you an endless supply of vomit. Sure. Um, I hope you are listening to this while you're eating. Well, does it or do they have people? Well, cause like are the they dry? I, I always just I always imagined it as just people just projectile vomiting. I'm picturing projectile because like again when they do the example, like they're just constantly throwing up. But the, yes, I in that one, but and maybe they it's because they haven't perfected the blood one yet, but they get faint and pass out. The fever the, one, that's just they get that's boils. That's the fainting fancies. No, the the fe fever fudge is what they get boils, but that that they haven't no, figured it out. Didn't they do yet. a nosebleed one where people kept because they've been yeah, bleeding you'll bleed out. out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying right. Like, so we're saying the vomit's similar. But, but, the, but he's saying that it creates vomit for you because well, you don't have an endless supply of vomit in your body. But like the blood seems to be was coming bad, from like them. they hadn't figured it out. Right, like, that's that what was I was the bad mm. candy. But that be that being said, I think I think it's part of the theatrics of the of the puking pastilles to be projectile vomiting constantly. Yeah, it's not part of the theatrics to, to uh, be dry heaving. Well, to, well, that but but it's not part of the theatrics of the fever fudge, uh, not the fever fudge, um, the nosebleed, the nosebleed nougat um, to uh, like the. Like you shouldn't be bleeding that much. Like by the time you by by the time you are bleeding too much that it should affect you. You should already be out of class. Well, and I think what they were saying is that the their antidote didn't work, so they mm -hmm. kept bleeding and they ate the antidote. No, it, it was work. the first years that were going through it, and they were going through it too much. They kept they kept trying over and over on the first. They year said that the um, we oh, haven't figured this. out the antidote yet. Um, so you'll bleed to death. That's oh, what they said. Got it. Um, got it. I just remembered that part. Yeah, that was funny. Real, but, real unsafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that no. was my... I like, how did they find it. that out? How did they figure that out? That if you bleed... Or th well, maybe they... they were doing it on themselves. They were testing on themselves. But how did they... bleeding. But but if they would just bleed to death, I think they... I think they ended up probably doing a spell to stop it. Like, they couldn't or do it with their... Or maybe candy. they just hadn't tried it out yet because they're like... Okay, we have a prototype, but let's not try it until we have an antidote. Maybe they used an animal. Uh, I don't want to think that about Forge. <laughs> I'm just saying they had to figure out that they it wasn't stopping bleeding. So, and but I think maybe if they even I, I, themselves, I, I they like figured it out with a spell to stop the bleeding. They're like, we want to do it in the candy, but we had to do it with a spell. I would, I could see them practicing it on themselves. And they have enough magic. Brother. They have enough magic capability that they could use a spell to stop but it. But I'm saying, but I'm, I don't know though, because uh, well, well okay, so scientifically, scientifically, maybe, maybe depending on depending on what the what the effects are. But so, what we were talking about with like a nosebleed's a natural thing, so magically you should be able to yes, easily. Yes, but it's fix a magical, that. Like but a pixie. <laughs> but 
but it's a magical cause of the nosebleed. It's not they just got punched in the nose. They have a magical uh, uh, something magical has affected yeah, that's their nosebleed. Yeah, that's true. It's it's like the it's like the puking. So with the puking pastilles, it's it's not it's not that you are just fed something gross and you vomit. Something is going in. It is it is attaching itself to those uh, to those serotonin receptors in the medulla, and until something stops that attachment. It's not going to go away. Okay, so here's a weird question that yeah. might get us on a tangent. So if you take your orange part, but you haven't taken the purple part yet, and I either stun you or put Petrificus totalis on you, are you going to keep throwing up in that state? You, uh... uh Petrificus totalis, yes. Um, stunning? That's gross. Just that's <laughs> devastating. Well, I'm, just, I'm I mean, asking the hard cues here. Well, stunning. I would. You'd I die. I would say. Well, no, you wouldn't die. Not if your head was turned. Yikes! Wow, I didn't. Take um, that but uh, but actually, actually, stunning. Yeah, I think you. I, I think you would because especially like you a can, nosebleed. I feel like you just. Keep yeah, I, I I think these. That one you definitely die. If, Depends how long you're stunned for. Well, I mean, if you bleed out. Right, it depends how long you're stunned for. Some people don't get stunned. So though. these are dangerous. Kids, kids don't try this to the at home. chest like McGonagall. Ugh. Mm, we Ugh. just we just read that. Chapter. Sorry, it's it's we're not okay. I'm not okay. I didn't even read it we recently. We were we were like our our sound was a like out of this world. We were just screaming. Oh no, the indignity! Like we, that is that is umbrage at her worst. We can't go back down there. I'm sorry. I'm can't. sorry. I'm sorry. This is, Let's sorry. talk about bleeding out. Moving more. on. Moving on. So my point. So my point. Going back. Well, before we get to that. So my point with the puking pastels is since um, an endless supply of vomit is part of the theatrics, they would have to induce some sort of uh, some sort of replenishing. And I, I I could say oh yes there's they have some magical replenishment of vomit but that's no fun we want science science <laughs> so um, give me science or give me death yes oh that I should get that tattooed <laughs> <laughs> wow oh, shit. by Molly Kathleen Wilson um any case Ew. <laughs> um so uh so that's why I wanted to make this gastrin agonist as well and so gastrin is this um whenever you uh, whenever you eat food um it sends signals via that vagal vagus nerve to your uh to your gut and this this molecule gastrin gets released which binds to um which binds to all these cells in your uh in your stomach that releases that releases um gastric juices it releases mm -hmm. uh, releases all the all the uh, amino acid cleaving compounds and uh, and uh, and just everything that allows you to digest food, and so if you and so if this uh, puking pastille um, activates those gastrin receptors the same way it activates the serotonin receptors, then you'd have that endless supply of gastric juices to vomit up. Thank you. You're welcome. I yeah. You needed to know delicious. this. I, I it is fascinating. Like I do want to know it. I just it is also gross. So yeah, yeah. So what I so um correct me if I'm wrong. So sorry, I don't want to belabor this too long. No, no. But um, if you were so like say you ate something 
accidentally, like, that you were allergic to. You mm-hmm. couldn't use, like, one end of the puking pastel to then get to relieve that from your system. Well, the way I see, the way I see these um, being uh, reversed is through a, a, quote, competitive, so if there's an agonist, then there's mm-hmm. a competitive antagonist. So what it does, it competes for that binding space. Mm-hmm. in uh on the on the receptor so 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 for the serotonin receptor you have your agonist your your puking your, the puking part the orange part binding and causing and causing vomiting but then your purple part it comes in and it binds it it, it naturally binds stronger to that um uh, to the um to the receptor mm-hmm. and so it essentially kicks the uh the agonist off and it and it binds and since it binds stronger that's how it's able to kick it off but it doesn't activate the receptor okay. it's an antagonist meaning it does it, it shuts it down essentially it, yeah. and so you stop vomiting and i'm sorry what was the question again well because don't well based on your question don't they mess up fred and george because Jack Sloper or somebody gets a natural nosebleed and they try and give him one of their things mm-hmm. and it messes it up further. Which I think they also I mix think he up gives, which he gives one they the give. Wrong end. But then I think they try and give him the other end and it still doesn't help because I think then it's like too late. They've already like fucked it up. No, they take they take him off the field and they and they and they try and feed him the purple yeah. one. They don't really say what happens, do they? I think they end up taking him to the hospital wing. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think they figured out how to fix it. That was my but you, you asked, Alex asked, if um, you take it the other end for something. Like, so, if you're just throwing up, if you mm-hmm. take the purple end, will it stop you from throwing up? Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think, um, and I think what, I think that is true. It will stop you from throwing up because it, since it suppresses the chemoreceptors, it depends on the reason for you throwing up. I would guess it wouldn't because, like, I thought, it like, that purple was specifically meant to fight whatever that orange was giving you. Yes, but if the receptor is the common receptor for uh, vomiting, so say you, say you ingest too much alcohol and you're throwing up because of that, that's a classic chemoreceptor vomit reflex. Um, if you took that purple end, then that would competitively block the chemoreceptor and you wouldn't, uh, and then you wouldn't v- vomit because, because of that chemoreceptor. Okay, sobering what if you had, like, potion It's not, it's not a sobering, it's know, not a sobering potion, it's an anti-vomiting a, potion. I was making a, a yeah. joke. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, it no. wasn't funny. Sorry, I was just, I was trying to clarify. No, 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 it is, it isn't, it isn't the same way, but it's like, it's kind of better because then it doesn't like, if ruin you have a, your, it doesn't, doesn't ruin your buzz but then you're not sick yeah but also the reason no? why you vomit is because your body because yeah. your body is going through alcohol poisoning and you that's not not good. necessarily uh, well you don't because you vomited up it's your body's way of protecting you from about vo- yeah fine i i i feel like if i i feel like i've had like one or two drinks and like been nauseous if i'm trying to sleep right after but it's because I mean, of dizziness every, as opposed to. I, I mean, everyone's different, a, and, and that's I will, a separate, different receptor. That's a di- that's a separate issue. We don't I mean, need I, to I, talk about my drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I but I, no, but I understand what you mean, because like, because uh, like I, I get that like some drinks are making you more receptive to to vomiting than others. Like like I, I can't drink, I can't get drunk off of red wine, otherwise I will vomit. Right, or like sugar content, like things that aren't necessarily associated with 
how much you're drinking specifically. Yeah, so I, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But either way, this is very the, fascinating. The, the general reason for vomiting is to prevent alcohol poisoning. Yes. So, yeah. so listen to that, children, okay? Um, one, be over 21 or um, in the, so, the legal so drinking age. So don't be age. children. So don't so, be children. Yeah, be the drinking age of the um, country of origin that you are from. And um, also um, don't take the purple end to suppress your vomit because it's saving your life. Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, that's the puking pastille. Um, I think I think we've also been dancing around the nosebleed nougat a bit, so I'm going to go into that. Um, so what we so what we talked about with the nosebleed. So what I I, I went through a couple iterations of this uh, with the nosebleed nougat because I wanted to go through because um, I was thinking like is is it like so warfarin and heparin are two blood thinners that uh, that are very commonly used in medicine. Heparin is this very uh, quick uh, blood thinner, where warfarin is a more long term. So if you have somebody who uh, somebody is prone to uh, blockages for heart attacks or strokes, a lot of times they'll be on warfarin, like a very uh, like a low long term dose of warfarin. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well. Uh, these really aren't orally available. Like you, ha- they have to be injected. Um, you can't take them through the. You can't take them orally via pill or something like that. So maybe um, there's there's another one called valvarudin, but uh, which is not important. But what uh, what I ended, what I came to the conclusion is none of these are really ac- applicable because there's really two types of clotting. There's um, there's the clotting cascade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's platelet aggregation. So the clotting cascade, what it does is this is this system of um, uh, of um, this system of molecules that each activate one another on like in in a cascade like fashion right. to f- to form uh, I, I believe it's thrombin. Here here we go back in my book. Um, to do 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 yeah. I believe it is pretty sure it's thrombin. Thrombin. Oh my god, I'm getting flashbacks just just going through this because I had to. We don't uh, mean to trigger you. No, don't worry. It's been it's happened before. Sorry, fibrin. Sorry, it, it's uh, um. So this this creates fibrin molecules that form a um, form a clot and sort of sort of capture blood cell red blood cells and white blood cells and form this mass that prevents blood from flowing out of a wound. Um, versus platelet aggregation, which is what forms what we know as a scab. And so what happens is platelets come together uh, via um, a molecule called fibrinogen, which is different than fibrin. Um, <laughs> And and they sort of clump together and form and form that scab that we know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with the with the cascade, this this scab always forms first before the actual clot forms to stop the blood flow out of a um, out of a broken vessel. And so what ends up happening is is that if you have a defect in the in the clotting cascade, you have these deep wounds you have bleeding in your joints you have um you you have you have these large blood vessels that uh, relatively large blood vessels that um 
that that bleed um, uh, um, without without stopping. But if you have a problem with your platelet aggregation mm-hmm. and with that fibr- and that fibrinogen, then that's when you have capillary bleeds, such as a nosebleed. Okay. So my so my theory is that the nosebleed nougat, what it does is it inhibits fibrinogen receptors on the platelets to stop them from aggregating. And so what would happen there is because uh, because there's no platelet aggregation you have and you're much more prone to these small bleeds, it wouldn't actually cause the bleed, the nosebleed itself, but if any motion, like say you were to rub your nose and cause a micro uh, and cause a micro fracture, a micro break in your skin, then it would then even something as minor as that would cause a nosebleed caused by this blockage of fibrinogen in the nosebleed nougat. I think this is grosser than throwing up. I'd much rather talk about the throw up. Like you, this I was like to say, you are so silent. Yeah, you were you were being very silent. I was like, am I not explaining it right? And I just don't. No, you're just you're just grossed out. Blood doesn't really freak me out. Like that. I don't like like looking at like I can give blood and stuff, but like thinking about it like this, I'm like ugh. Sorry, should I should I have given like a trigger warning or something before this? Maybe I don't know, I don't know. because I'm like a squidge warning. Is that, is that squidge warning? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> too <fine>. late. <laughs> I'm like fine. I'm just like more grossed out by this than like talking about throw up and stuff. I am. Like I could talk about poop and throw up all day, but like blood stuff is like mm, icky. I wouldn't want to talk about poop. I don't think. No, <laughs> not my kink, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! 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 Um, um. So, but, but that's cool. Yeah. Not cool, but you know what I mean. It's fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, to oh, wait, wait just so the sound isn't. I don't want the water pouring to be in the background. Oh. Now, if you have to pee. <laughs> Um, oh, wait. No. Oh, I'm wanna... fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I was so, gonna ask her to wait for the water, but oh. we're good. So, getting back to your question of whether uh, the purple end, the I don't know if it's if it's purple, but the the essential purple end of a nosebleed nougat would uh, stop a nosebleed, I would say, well, I would say probably. Um, because if that, because one, because uh, instead of, instead of being an agonist, this is an antagonist. Mm-hmm. And so the purple end in the nosebleed nougat case would be the agonist. It would restore the, uh, the activity of the fibrinogen to potentially stop the bleed. And so, and so I, I would say probably, um, it, it depends if, if that is the mechanism, then yes, you could technically take the purple end of a nosebleed nougat and stop a bleed. I think what happened with Anywhere? Fred and George, or only the nose. Like, is it well, telling I, your brain only the nose? I think I think it has to do with uh, those small bleeds. Your nose, your nose is the most common site for that for that kind of bleed. Um, like if you get a paper cut or something. I think if you get a paper cut, one or nosebleed. Like while you're on nosebleed nougat, if you get a paper cut, I think it would it think it would stop it would not stop bleeding. Uh, I think that's the same the same idea. It's just you, the skin in your in your nasal passage is so thin and so prone to bleeding, more so than than your skin. I think it almost seems spontaneous, um, even though even though with this mechanism it wouldn't be. Sure. Um, um, also, we were right. Purple is the antidote side. Okay. Cool. 
But the other way, that's the nosebleed no-go. Cool. Yeah. So you, you get... It's not pot appropriate. Okay. What? I just... I just thought if you were, like, on your cycle... Would it then? I knew it was going to be a period question. Well, it's. I feel like that's but, very but different. That's, that's extremely really different. different. That that has nothing. That that. Yeah, because you don't you don't clot a a a, a period. Yeah, like that's the, fair. Because it what it what it is. Molly is so do, bad. Should should I go into this? No, I we won't. We'll cut that cue out of the. Okay. Although you you disagree. What? what oh, I I don't. I know. can't tell what you're thinking. You're. Makes no difference you were the to one me. that didn't want to ask it on Only because, I, I don't know, I, I'm not disgusted by it because I feel like it's a natural thing that happens in yeah, the population. Yeah, obviously it's natural. body, but um, other people might be squeamish about it. I mean, if they have, if they've been squeamish about, if they haven't been squeamish about any of this, like, You'd wow. be surprised. Okay. Especially people that have never experienced a period, they might be extra squeamish. Yeah, see, I, I'm sorry. Medical school has like desensitized me to what is no, you what, don't what people need think to is be gross. Sorry, you shouldn't be grossed out by a period. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so my first my first day of anatomy, I got excited about skinning someone's back. So oh. that's that just exactly exactly. It's like what? It's just it's it's just some peeling back some skin to reveal muscle. Yeah. And that's and that's the reaction Fine. I get, and I don't and I don't realize that's the reaction. That's the normal reaction. Yes. So I, 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 so. Well, I mean, I think that's the reaction you want from a doctor because you don't want a doctor to have to be operating on you and be squeamish. And you don't want your doctor to say you periods either. Correct. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that would be bad. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um. So have we? But, no, is, we can move on. Is the consensus not to talk? Uh, Honestly, more for like time. Just stay yeah. on. Uh, okay. Stay on point here. If you want to include any part of it, just say that that periods would not be affected by this. Yeah. Um. I think you already said that. I think if anything, we could just record it being like, that's a very different part. Yeah. That's a different. Okay. So, um, do you want to do fever fudge or fainting fancies next? Let's do fever fudge. Fever fudge. Okay. That's a, that's a. I feel like fainting fancies is very different than the other three. It is. It is. It's a little bit more indirect. Um, so fever fudge is actually pretty cool. So it deals with the hypothalamus, um, which is one of my favorite parts of the brain. (laughs) Um, so the hypothalamus is really cool because it deals with the four F's. All I want for Christmas is a hypothalamus. (laughs) That was really cute. Hypothalamus. Didn't you know that? Like, oh, I want a hippopotamus. I want a hypothalamus for Christmas. Yeah, it's okay. I knew what you (laughs) wanted. All right. Well, whatever. I don't know. It's that time. It's that time of year. Um, so the hypothalamus deals with the four F's. Feeding, fight or flight, which is one. Um, fever, and can I say, can I? Fucking curse. Fucking, yeah. So, feeding, feeding, fire, flight, fever, and fucking. So, Who knew? Medical school. So saucy. Oh my gosh, we have so many dirty acronyms. You have <laughs> no idea. Um, <laughs> we really don't. <laughs> no, but it, it um, I'm not, uh, another, another day. Another day. Another pod. Uh, so... So the hypothalamus deals with all... It, that, that's just a way to remember that the hypothalamus deals with these these four airs. So it does with the with hunger and thirst. It deals with the fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system. Um, it deals with temperature, fever, and it deals with your libido. Fucking. 
Um, and so we're going to focus on the fever aspect of this. Mm -hmm. So there's a specific part of the hypothalamus, the anterior hypothalamus. It specifically deals with cooling or um, the ability of setting an upper limit for body temperature. And anytime you go above that, it sends out molecules that cool, or it sends out signals rather to, uh, or signals or molecules to cool the body. So um, like sweating, um, opening, opening up uh, peripheral blood vessels, anything that would use to, uh, to uh, let off heat. And so what the fever fudge would end up doing is inhibiting that part of the, uh, that part of the, uh, the hypothalamus, the anterior hypothalamus. And so because of that, there would be no upper set point and the temperature and your temperature would skyrocket. Good Lord. Does it affect any of the other Fs? No, because each part of the hypothalamus Serious has its Q. own, it had no, but <laughs> it had, has its own section. So that's why I specifically said the anterior hypothalamus. In fact, there's a separate part of the hypothalamus that deals with, that deals with heating. And that would be a having a lower limit for your body temperature before you start shivering or, or, or anything like that. Hmm. Um, so this, so the fever fudge, and, and so this is actually very similar to what happens when you, uh, when you have a fever is that it's not that that set point goes away. It's that set point increases so that before you start enacting cooling mechanism, you might be at, instead of 98.6, you might be at a hundred or 101. And that's a natural thing to happen, but that's, but it's, but the fever fudge, I would just assume would just inhibit that part of the hypothalamus entirely well, versus resetting it. And then will it block like those cooling techniques? Like, so you won't sweat to like cool yourself down and like things See, like that. See, that's the thing. It doesn't have to specifically block those cooling techniques because they were never triggered in the first place. Gotcha. Cause that's but, like, the, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen yeah. because the hypothalamus's job is to trigger those things. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so if you block the hypothalamus, yeah. you block everything else. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Understood. So there, the, antidote would, would it be, work like a tylenol but much more directly tylenol is a very indirect method of uh of cooling the body the NSAIDs they they uh they affect uh was it cox one or cox two speaking of one apps. of these <laughs> 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 um no it's a it's a molecule in your body that deals with um inflammation sure, sure. it's a it's a it's an it's an inflammatory uh, it's an inflammatory, um, a lot of uh, cox in the body, like coccyx. Oh, coxsackie virus. Mm. Cox, uh, you're, uh, yeah. What it, what it was, what is, this is going to come out wrong. What does cox mean as like a, like an, yeah. like a, like an etymology type of thing? I like, have no idea, but there's a lot of it and I, I want to know. I feel like cox in the sense of, um, cox one or cox two, the, the molecule that affects inflammation mm -hmm. in the body. I have a feeling that that's an acronym because it's always it's always shown as capital C capital L oh, capital okay. X, so that might be different. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's actually a really good question because everything is named for a reason in medicine. Like even if it's an acronym, it's always mm -hmm. like it, it always has some meaning. Um, so I'd, I'd have to look that one up. It's not that's, that's a, not that's, that's a, not in my that's book. That's an off pod. Uh, that's an off yeah. pod cue. <laughs> um. So, but Tylenol would not affect the hypothalamus. It affects an inflammatory molecule that also um, that also deals uh, that also deals with um, 
fever, but it's more downstream okay. than, than uh, the hypothalamus, which would be like upper, upper stream. Okay. Yeah. In general, for all of these, what happens to, like, the purple thing, like, after you've, like, basically recovered, does it kind of just, like, disappear? Because, like, you can then take another orange one, like, right on top of it, and then do another purple one. Yeah. So, what happens is, so what happens, so if you were to never, so if you took a purple end and then stopped forever, um, what would happen is it would just be like any other drug. Um, every drug has a half-life. Mm -hmm. or um, the amount of time it takes for half of the drug to either be excreted or um, just di or just dissipate away from the uh, from the receptor and I'm assuming that these half-lives would be pretty quick mm -hmm. um, for uh, for the uh, for the, the use, cure yeah. for the cure because otherwise that they would otherwise they would just affect normal bodily function and that wouldn't be good yeah um, but and what do they do to your liver? That's the real cue, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what about the P450? What about the uh, cytochrome P450? Not great. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's magical. Yeah. We're just gonna assume. I'm I'm going to I'm going to to take like the magical aspect of it and say it just disappears. Yeah. It doesn't need to be excreted through the liver. Yeah. It just. What does the FDA have to say about puking pastels? <laughs> we'll never know. Not good. Probably. Not no. Good. Experimental. No. Insurance doesn't cover. <laughs> like, like, did they have to put the wheezes through some sort of like magical test? Is there to a sell magical them? FDA? Yeah, to sell them, but at I, their they, shop, they sell them as like a candy. That's how they can, yeah. they can get away. Well, with no, that. even candy has to go through FDA. What yeah. doesn't have to go through FDA is fucking supplements. That seems so backwards. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> That's terrifying, that's but that's another conversation. That's, that's another, another conversation. Sorry, I'm not going to get on my high horse about this. Um, moving on to fainting fancies. Wow. Oh, wow. That makes me never want to take a supplement ever again. Don't. Like a vitamin? Yeah, but I do take those. Well, I mean, vitamins, vi I, I don't, to be fair, they're probably not, like vitamins, they're, they're not dangerous, but they're... I don't think there's They're not the, helpful either. The, well, the point is there's been very few, not not very few, but it they're not since they're not approved by the FDA, they can technically not that they not that these major companies do. I'm not saying they do, but they can technically put whatever they want in there. What are your thoughts on probiotics? Are you pro probiotic? Um Yes, but uh, yes, I, I am. I, I just like need this for like my this, health. This is an off pod. But 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 I, I'm gonna <laughs> everything visit. everything I say, everything I say here. I'm going to make the disclaimer. I am not a licensed physician. I do not Yet. claim to be a licensed physician. Do everything I say. Everything I say is my personal opinion and not a and not a medical recommendation or diagnosis. Mm -hmm. That this is my disclaimer of yeah, everything I say. I have a mole. I'm just kidding. It's cancer. Yeah. It's 100% cancer. Ah! <laughs> I assume um, that But yeah, so so my 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 opinion on supplements is do your due diligence. Do your research, make sure you know what you're taking and make sure that uh, and, and make sure that you make sure the company that you're buying it from is reputable because they can technically put whatever they want in supplements so because they are company. <laughs> I, I was my my favorite part of Contagion was when Gwyneth Paltrow died. Spoiler alert: Gwyneth Paltrow dies in Contagion. She was in it. I did. I've seen it. Uh, it's a good movie. I, I like, like the movie. I like the movie. 
Um, but but yeah, just do your due diligence when you're when you're when you're taking supplements and stuff like that. In general, like multivitamins, you pee half of them out anyway. So, so more often than not, they're they're. It's not that they're bad for you. It's a lot of doctors will tell you that it's like a waste of money. I take them just out of habit more than anything else. Um, multivitamins. I still, I still take them, but but yeah, like don't like if you want to take like if you want to go to like a vitamin shop or whatever they're called, just make sure the company you buy from is reputable. Like I take. Like B twelve and turmeric mm-hmm. and um, L-theanine and pycnogenol. Okay, wow. I, I I only know half of those. I know B twelve and turmeric. Two of those are bullshit. Well, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're bullshit. I'm not saying that um, herbal remedies don't work because mm-hmm. because they they can work. But um, like turmeric is anti-inflammatory. Ginger can be anti-inflammatory, and it uh, and it helps with uh, stomach, uh, um, uh, nausea. Uh, uh, like nausea and upset, upset stomach. Stomach indigestion. Yes, exactly. exactly. But but the thing is, but the but what I'm saying is that if if somebody is advertising a ginger supplement, there's nothing regulating that there actually needs to be ginger in there, or the correct amount of ginger to actually affect I'm it. I'm gonna look at Just my turmeric. Just go get some ginger tea. I'm gonna look at my turmeric. Yeah. Uh, so I I'm not saying really, herbal remedies don't work. Really I'm saying make sure what you buy is reputable. But yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, fainting fancies. Fainting fancies. So this was actually one of the more complicated ones to look up because it's not a direct thing. Like you, like there, there's a medical. Uh, when you're talking medically fainting, it's not. It's not. You know. It. It's not. Uh, it's not a diagnosis of fainting. It's something that is causing the fainting, and and whether that's whether that's um, like psychological or vertigo. or vertigo, cutting off oxygen to your brain, and that's Oof. and that's the most common one. Mm-hmm. And so what? And so what? I'm and most a most common way to cut off oxygen to the brain is to have a plummeting blood pressure. So what I'm saying the uh, the fainting fancies do is they bring down your blood pressure way down. And which causes you to faint. Fred and George, these are not safe. I look, I already said this. <laughs> this is, I mean, there, there is... I guess I'm on a... Team Hermione. <laughs> I've always been on Team Forge. But this seems very unsafe. And they were testing them on 11-year-olds. All right, all right, we get it. Yeah. So... They volunteered. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They didn't know what I they were getting joke, into. I was making a joke. It wasn't funny, but... I think what's interesting about the fainting fancies is you need a buddy that's in on it to give you the second half. No matter if it's safe or not. Like, that's that's a necessity. You rely on that. Yeah. Because are they ever going to wake up if you don't get that purple well, half? Well, when you faint... But this is blocking it. It's like a block. Well, no. Well, no. So this is yeah, not blocking the in the brain. Oh, okay, so okay. let me let me, let me me get to what exactly this is doing. Yes, you did. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, so what this is doing is, um, uh, sorry. So what this is doing, this is actually is affecting something in the blood vessels themselves. So blood vessels are coated with smooth muscle, and and it's different than skeletal muscle. Smooth muscle is just the muscle that is in your internal organs. It's in your it's in your stomach, the rest of your gut, and in your blood vessels, in the lining of the blood vessels themselves. Were you gonna say? Oh, that's right. I thought I was no, no, no. Sorry, so sorry. Keep going. I'm listening. So you have certain molecules that uh, that um, bind to receptors on the smooth muscles, and that causes them to either contract or relax. 
Um, and this and this has to do with a lot of blood pressure medications affect this. So one way to do this, which it's not a very common blood pressure medication, is alpha blockers. So if you've heard of beta blockers, yes, um, those are one way to block. Um, those are one way to block. Uh, uh, one way to lower blood pressure by um, by releasing that smooth muscle when in your blood vessels. Yes. Um, this might not be relevant, but is this like when you lock your knees and you pass out? Well, what happens is similar. So it has nothing to do with not your nothing. blood vessels, but what happens is the the veins in your this is a complete tangent, but uh, the sorry. veins in your blood, the veins in your legs, sorry, the veins in your legs um, need help from your skeletal muscle to push the blood back up you're to like your flexing heart. Flexing your muscles when you're locking your legs. Mm. Just right. the opposite. Or Just the opposite. Okay. When you're not when you're not locking your legs, your your muscles are engaged, and they uh, and and what they're doing is they're helping. They're adding extra pressure to your veins because your veins don't have that smooth muscle. When we're talking about smooth muscle, we're talking about mainly arteries, mm -hmm. and so your veins need help to get to get blood from your toes to your heart because that's a long ways to go and so they need and there's not a lot of pressure in your a veins tall guy like you i don't exactly don't know and, how and, you're doing it i know my my, <laughs> my leg muscles they're working overtime um but but it, it because there's a very low pressure like if you have a, a vein a cut vein you'll notice it's very low pressure in your veins versus an artery that's mm -hmm. where you see in the movies that that's spurting type thing sorry yeah. the blood um but uh, but you need but because it's such low pressure, you need those muscles to get the blood back to your heart. Mm -hmm. And if you're locking your knees, you're no longer engaging those muscles because you're supporting yourself just by your bones. Mm -hmm. And and so you're no longer engaging those muscles, and the blood tends to pool in your legs. So if you're if you're standing for a very long time with your knees locked, the blood pools in your legs. Less is getting to your brain. And you faint. So like similar phenomenon, but not the exact one you're. But describing. not the exactly, okay. exactly related, but not, but not the exact um, uh, exactly. mechanism. How long would it take? People do it I all don't... the time. That's why they say like during choir concerts, like don't stand like yeah, straight can, like that. It can take minutes. It, it can take minutes, but like minutes to an, to hour, like minutes to a, an hour. Or so. Like you, you never would, heard that. You heard, no. you hear about it all the time with military men because they That's have to same. stand perfectly still for hours on end and straight. And, and so they'll and so they'll lock their knees because their legs get tired, mm -hmm. but then the blood starts to pull. And then if Plus they do that, if they do that for 10, 15 minutes, um, that could that could uh, uh, that could cause them to faint. Who needs a fainting fancy? Yeah, just, just lock, lock your, your knees. knees. Uh, <laughs> you both said that in like such like a sexual way, just lock your yeah. knees. Am I right? That's what I do. Not my king. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hashtag not my kink. Um, so so um, so beta so beta blockers. Getting back to what I was talking about. So beta beta blockers are one way to uh, to relax smooth muscle. The thing is, they they are a specific type of there there are there are many different types of receptors on on smooth on on uh, vascular smooth muscle. Um, and beta blockers um, affect these uh, receptors in such a way that they don't decrease blood pressure that much. Mm -hmm. So you have a very minimal decrease in blood pressure with um, uh, with beta blockers. However, alpha blockers, without getting too technical, um, what they end up doing is they is they don't have a uh, compensatory 
increase in in heart rate as much to try and keep the blood pressure up. Okay. And so what ends up uh, what ends up happening? In fact, oh, I want to make sure I have this right. Um, so what ends up happening is you have that dip. I saw a gross picture. Same. It's, it's, <laughs> that's just you know. <laughs> So, uh, here we go. <laughs> like I both peeped it. We were like, oh no. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay. So here, so here's what ends up happening. So for, so for beta, so for beta blockers, if I'm right. Okay. Yeah. So beta blockers, they don't cause that, de that much decrease in blood pressure, but because you have this, you do have a, a reflex, a reflex increase in heart rate. But um, it, this is this is this gets into more complicated stuff. The the bottom line is it causes a net decrease in blood pressure mm -hmm. um, because of that loss of uh, that loss of um, uh, smooth muscle tone. Um, the problem is that it's well, uh, why did I why did I not want that is. I think the problem with that is because of the reflex increase in heart rate, because we don't see that in fainting fancies. We don't see an increase in heart rate just because they take the fainting fancy. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is is uh, is do is go in an, another way. So there's another molecule called angiotensin, and this is produced by your kidneys, mm -hmm. and it works. It also works in conjunction with. Uh, uh, in conjunction with the alpha and beta molecules, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, to constrict your blood vessels, and angiotensin is an extremely powerful vasoconstrictor, um, and so by blocking this, you can cause a, a huge amount of, uh, of of vasodilation or an increase in the uh, in in the volume of your blood vessels, which will cause your which will cause your uh, blood pressure to dip immediately. And drastically, and this and this will cause you to faint almost immediately, and that it's also a good it's also a good reversal agent because as soon as you activate those angiotensin uh, receptors, it's going to cause that immediately immediate constriction. So it's a really good way to work on the uh, on the blood vessels. So is this angiotensin? What would happen if you never took the purple side? Would it? Is there a purple side for fainting fancies? Yeah, I think yeah. somebody has to. Well, there has to be. Yeah. That seems very risky. It is risky business. Um, I think I think what would happen is you. Think the orange would wear off eventually. I think I think it does. It has a much. I would assume that the orange has a much longer half life than the purple. Than mm -hmm. the purple because the orange needs to needs to last as long as you need it to. Mm -hmm. Versus the purple, it just needs to last long enough to get rid of the orange side. Mm -hmm. Um, I would hope uh, most drug, uh, like all drugs, really they have a half life. So I'm assume I would hope George, Fred, and George would include that so that if you were never if you never took the the blue pill, the the purple, purple. side. Wow, I just saw the Matrix. It's mm -hmm. you know, um, but not for the first time. But um, that it would eventually wear off. But that being said, fainting fancies if you're in, if you're decreasing blood pressure, part of the reason fainting is because your brain isn't getting the oxygen it needs and if you, you do that for too long you, you tend to die so 
or I don't have know. severe like brain damage. damage. This is not safe. <laughs> I do just want to give Forge a shout out though, because they clearly do pay attention in potions and understand. They like, understand. What they Alan understand needed. things that I wish I could understand. They're so smart. They're so smart. I, like like next, this is incredible. Like next episode. <laughs> next episode, I come on. I want to do just one on all of like all of the possible forge. all Forge stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're great. Yeah. Um, but that's all I had on them for right now. That, that was going through the 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 skiving snap snack boxes. So conclusions, they dangerous. They dangerous. Don't use them. Like this, with the fainting fancy in particular, it'd be like me being like, oh yo, I'm I'm gonna get out of potions today. I'm gonna take my fainting fancy, and then Molly would have to be like. I'll volunteer to drag her to the hospital wing. <laughs> like, what and if, then you'd have to pop in my antidote. Like, that's a or lot. Or like, you no, you don't like take her, you take her. Like, they, you're right. going to tell somebody else to take you. Yeah. And, like, what, and, like... I also feel like that one's, like, the, the least useful. Like, I... But no, because it gets two people out of class. Oh. oh you and your buddy get out. But then the buddy has to come back. Like she's, they're expecting them to you come. You had back. to stay by their bedside. You had to drag yeah. them all the way. Like Madame Pomfrey asked me a lot of questions. You had to questions. drag them all the way from Trelawney's uh, <laughs> tower. I could just imagine somebody just like shouldering their friend and just like, I got it. You'd have to like win Guardian Leviosa that shit. I mean, that would also. Or at least sense. it would buy you like a like fifteen minutes yeah. for a snog yeah. or something. You know. Ooh. Wah, wah, wah. Oh yeah, maybe that's the. Okay, so the, so the next one I have is uh, parcel tongue. Specifically, can parcel tongue be learned? Because you know we always see Harry Harry just innately knowing parcel tongue, and everybody who who speaks parcel tongue is is born with it. Except for Ron that one time. Except for Ron that one time, and that's and that's the thing. And he's not really he's not really he, he's just repeating sounds. But I think because of that. It can be learned. I don't think it's any. There's nothing magical about parcel tongue itself, and but Harry does lose it. That's like canon. Uh huh. And here's why. Okay. And so it comes. It it, it comes into it, like why. It, it, the real question is not can it be learned. It, it, it's a language. It should be able to be learned. But why is Harry able to know it innately? And moreover, why doesn't he know he knows it? Like. <laughs> Yeah, I have some cues about that. So please, I, I'm really fascinated. I so, need to know. So I'll, I'll start off by saying I'll start off by saying that the reason why Harry has the ability at all and why he loses it is because it's due to the Horcrux. Right, right, right. Like right. that, 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 that's that is what it is. Textually proven. So to to explain this, you need to know a little bit about how language works. So it's not just it's not just there. Like in your brain, there's not just a language center of the brain. Language is broken down into different aspects. There's, um, you have you have your auditory processing cortex mm -hmm. that takes that takes auditory information and and from that input um, turns it into a neural signal. Like mm -hmm. you take you take information you know from your uh, from your eardrum to your cochlea, goes into the auditory nerve, into the brain, and that's the center of the brain that translates that information. That information then goes to a uh, then goes to a, then goes to two areas. It goes to a semantics area, 
which translates the meaning of those of of that uh, of that auditory signal. Okay. So you hear you hear the word cat, and you can understand that it's a fluffy white, uh, a fluffy white, purple brown. Gato. Yeah, exactly. Shot. You you understand the concept of a cat. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to a phonologic area of the brain as well, where it sort of abstracts that waveform into a into a phonologic code that you can turn around and use to repeat the word cat. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, and so when you're speaking, you kind of start with that semantics, that meaning portion of the brain, mm-hmm. and then that translates it to the phonologics, the sound portion for that sound output. So okay. the auditory, so it goes, so we have, I have like this little triangle here. You have that sound input for the auditory cortex, then you have sound output for the phonological cortex, okay. and then the semantics, the, the meaning, that, and there's that part of the cortex. So there's right. three parts. And m- my thought is that Harry has, Harry has an English form of this. Right. Um, and then he has... And of course has, a German form. And of course a German form, and, and, uh, and a Spanish form, right. and, and, and like literally every other form there is. Um, I, I was making a joke. I was making oh. the joke that he was also fluent in German, but it was how? why was that? Why was a that? Because he, he clearly wasn't. But oh, look, guys, it's late. Speed round. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, it was a quick one-off joke. Sorry, it's not my fault. It wasn't a joke. I just it thought it was a joke. Wasn't a joke. Okay, fine. It was just because it wasn't a good joke doesn't mean it wasn't a joke. Like fuck you. Yeah. Moving on. Yes, keep going. I'm so sorry. So he, but he has a separate parcel tongue phonology area of the brain. So there's, uh, he has, yeah, so he, so he has English, uh, English audition, semantics, and phonology. Mm -hmm. But he has an additional, from this horcrux, parcel tongue phonology. So when he sees a snake, that that horcrux kind of kicks in and his brain is saying, oh, there's a snake. I should be, I should be speaking parcel tongue. So Harry is still thinking. His meaning is still in English. Mm-hmm. But his output, his phonology is parcel tongue. That is so cool, Joey. And I, I, I really am giving you the credit here because I don't think J.K. Rowling is thinking about, like, yeah, no, I don't think I don't think right. she's thinking about it. But I think that's really fascinating. Because I always thought she was like equating parcel tongue to like speaking in tongues, like from the Bible, like because I mean, he doesn't. Ma- I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, which I don't know can necessarily be explained by science. I mean, maybe similar thing, but like that they're kind of not aware of it, and like you didn't learn it. Obviously, they just start speaking in tongues. Yeah, and and it and it does and it does like relate to that whole like devil devil like you you start. You start yeah. you start speaking gibberish or the devil's language or something like that, and I think that's, and honestly, I think that's why people don't learn partial tongue because I think it's I, once again I think it still can be learned as a language, mm-hmm. but I think the reason why people don't do it is because it's because of the stigma. Right. Also, it's an extremely difficult. I would imagine a difficult language to learn because it's so. Like, a snake is talking to you, and I can't differentiate 
like a hiss from a snake. Like if I'm talking about here in our mogul world, no, a hiss from a snake. We don't have the ears capable of discerning that. Yeah, so I it think, has very different uh, uh, sound differentiation. Right. I, I need I need a linguist with me to to explain it because but that that is but, a, yeah. that is a thing. That but is are a, people born with it? Like were the gods born with it? Was Voldemort born with it, or did they learn it? I, I I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they were born with it because they use. They use partial tongue as like a point of pride. It's like this is how I know I am the heir of Slytherin is because uh-huh. I know I, I I can speak partial tongue. I don't yeah. think it's something that was taught. I think it's generally something that is innate because uh, because people don't like to learn it. Yeah. Yes. So it can be born. It is. It is. But it it is also you also have the ability to to learn it if you so desire. But I think but people generally don't. Want I want to. Well, homework. You can, you can... Sayahasi Heth. Sayahasi Oh my gosh. This snake is gonna like. If I started saying it like that, this snake would be like, ugh, this like. This bitch. This like. <laughs> she thinks she can speak our language. She's saying. Appropriation. Yeah, she's appropriating <laughs> our snake culture. So. No. But no, but it would be like me trying to like speak like. Spanish, like it'd just be like this gringo, like you're not pronouncing anything correctly. <laughs> the accent all wrong on the s- mm. on the s- your sisters are not correct. But the thing is, you could be like pronouncing like a like in in Arabic. Cause I know a little I, I know a little Arabic because my uh, father in law uh, um, has taken some classes. Um, he there apparently there are many different uh, the sound. Mm-hmm. That is, there are there are several different huh sounds. So mm-hmm. there's there's a breath here. There's like a huh. Uh, oh my god, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna do it any justice. But see. but yeah, there's a lot of different sounds that that we just don't consider. And mm-hmm. so like I can imagine in partial tongue, there's a lot of different yeah. a lot of different sounds. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah. Ready. All right. So. Trace. Last one we're gonna do. You guys ready? I'm ready. Ready. Okay. So the trace, and this is something that has, is kind of bugged me for a while. It's like, what is the trace? Why do they, uh, like, like, why is this, why is this a thing? It bothers me And how does it work? And how does, and. Who's controlling it? Mm Mm-hmm. And I know J.K. Rowling has come out and said that, um, that, uh, magical parents sort of, like, uh, um, control, uh, like, control their own kids, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't, that. That just doesn't make sense. Then why have the trace at all for only for the Muggleborns? Like that doesn't make sense. Well, I to think me. what they said was like if an underage person in your house uses magic, the Ministry is alerted to it, but they don't know which kid it is. So that's what the responsibility on the parents is. But what? But so okay, so they can tell. Uh, so like they can tell magic it's a kid. has been used here. But we don't know who it was. Got it. Okay. Okay. See, I get confused about that too, so and Molly it, always explains so that it's, to me. So it's 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 so like if you have an only magical child in a magical home, then then they then the they'll know it's you. Then they'll active. know it's you. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Which is why I think they're still worried about Harry using it, at like Harry specifically using it. Yeah. Well. Although Jenny's still in the house, that doesn't make know. sense. J.K. Rowling. Talk to us about it anyway. But what's your science? So, so the way the way I the way I see the trace, it's actually leakage of magical energy from an underdeveloped brain. So, so let me explain a bit of the science. So, when you're when you're a child, you don't have you don't have what's known as myelin that's fully uh, full, uh, you don't have fully myelinated uh, neurons. 
So what myelin is, it's this fatty coating that surrounds your neurons and um, uh, uh, makes your makes your neural transmissions more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's the it's what is destroyed in multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. and it, it, it which is a devastating disease. But um, it's why you see children not having very good dexterity um, when they're little. It's why it's it's famously why um, teenagers don't uh, have good. Uh, um, why they're dummies. Uh, why they're dummies, exactly, to use the technical term. Mm-hmm. It's because myelination occurs from the back to the front, and the frontal lobe is myelinated last. And so it, what this essentially is, it's an it's a almost literal insulation of the neurons. Um, and once again, this, this helps faster neural transmission, but in magical brains, this insulation could also be insulating the magical energy. Mm-hmm. And what and so what's happening is without it in an underdeveloped brain in a child's brain, you have this leakage of magical energy, and this is and this occurs all the time when a child is when a child is feeling a certain burst of emotion, they'll they'll just do magic by mm-hmm. themselves, and that and that leakage that 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 leakage that we see can be detected by the trace, and I'm assuming the trace is some just blanket blanket charm on the magical world that can detect this leakage of energy okay in a a similar way uh, in a similar way that um they can detect uh in a similar way that they can detect detect uh that a magical person is or or like a like dumbledore can tell that magic has has been happening here exactly exactly um and and it explains why not only uh, not only do they not use the trace on adults, they cannot use the trace on adults because the trace only only detects magic usage in uh, in um, in underdeveloped in brain. underdeveloped brains. So when you're using magic, when you're using magic in an underdeveloped brain, th- a little bit of that magic leaks out through the unmyelinated neurons, and you end up have and you end up activating that trace. Yeah. Yes. How is it exact at 17? Because, like, your prefrontal cortex is, like, roughly around 25, but, like, you don't actually... Sorry, we didn't mean to poke a hole That's where the analogy kind of breaks down, is it... I'm going to... I'm going to, uh... I'm going to... Assert magic here? Like, hand wave... I'm going to hand wave it a bit, saying that, um, even though you aren't completely myelinated at 17, at 17, you are sort of, uh, you have myelinated enough of like your the neurons minimum. yeah but we, why exactly said like on your 17th birthday that's i have no idea right 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 right. Um, i mean it's also magical so um given this theory we could also say that maybe it is with every person because magic magic can be exact mm-hmm. and they discovered in the history of wizardry that 17 is naturally when the same way we have our research is naturally when your magic stops leaking and therefore mm. they have made you legally an adult wizard at 17. Mm. So their law is based on the natural occurring magical phenomenon. Yeah. That makes sense. And so the reason why that, that, that does make sense. Um, I got your back. Thank you. 
So no, the, I have the exact same question. No, I just mean I still think like yes, everyone timing. does it differently. Like not everyone. Yeah, yeah and, 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 right and, and that and, and that. I didn't want to be like a, a curmudgeon. <laughs> no, and, and and but that's a valid point. Like you know, that's that's it's a good thing to point out that this is not that myelination is not an exact science, and so. Uh, even though it's even though it is science, like Harry isn't myelinating the same rate as Hermione. I oh, think we know this. This we know. <laughs> My <laughs> personal belief on the trace is that it's more like um, some sort of um, spell that's happening or curse. Than but it, it is, is. But it, but I said it is a spell. It's just what that brain. spell is detecting. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I've usually seen it more as when they're like, it, we can't trace adults, is it's more like magic has rules and it's an ingrained magic the same way like you have to participate in the Goblet of Fire yeah. when it chooses I still you. Know, I still don't get that. Me either, but I think, but I, I, I get I, what I've reasoned it to be and how they kind of explain it away is that bind, like binding magical contracts, it's like humans have our gifted magic magic exists in the universe mm-hmm. so if you're going to dabble in magic there are some rules that I are i think it's like in love place. like that harry's protected yeah. it's like one of those types of yeah. like so if you yeah, if you like, invoke if you evoke one of those one of the, one of those ancient magical yeah rules. then yeah. you gotta follow those okay that, and that does and make that's sense. why there are magical laws like you can't create like food out of thin air because it's yeah. like each, there are some actually, rules that you can't break. Oh man, I should have done something like that because yeah. I, I want like Gamp's Law. Gamp's Law. Alright, see this is what... Next time. Next time. Next time. Um, but uh, one one hole that I do want to fill in this is uh, Dobby. Why was Dobby's magic confused for Harry's? I think Dobby did some magic to make it seem like it was Harry's. But, no, but, but it, it, it's, but it doesn't detect, the, the trace does not detect oh, yeah. adult magic. Right. Or why would it, elf magic is completely separate from wizard magic, so why and would I'm it. I'm saying, and, I, and, and what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking mm. is that it's, it's because, because elf magic is, I would say less controlled, more chaotic mm-hmm. than uh than wizard magic is just by its nature wizard magic can only be released uh adult wizard magic can only be released through a wand yeah. it, it needs an incantation said or unsaid um but elf magic is more is more innate it's more instinctual like a child's magic mm-hmm. and so that's why dobby's magic was confused for harry's mm-hmm. and so it, it because it read like uh it read like uh, a child's magic, a child's magic leak. Yeah, and that that's that's my that that's my way of filling in that plot hole. Potentially, it's another trace because it's in the presence of Muggles that don't aren't aware of magic. Like that's its own separate trace that can be that can trace adult magic users too. So like they are aware I don't know that if that's I don't know canon. I don't know I'm I'm no just I, I like where you're going with that but I'm saying I, because I feel I like a lot of times magic is used with muggles in the presence that's so. true yeah. I just don't I don't think I think that's a plot hole of JK's not of your theory okay yeah. because I don't think I don't the think way it's they've just yeah the way they've described elf magic particularly the way she uses it in like the seventh mm-hmm. book and the sixth book. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think, like, Dobby can operate in and out of Hogwarts, like, 
Yeah, like... Well, don't get me started But that's what when, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that, that, that kind... Like, elf magic works outside of the like rules super of, of, super wizard of wizard magic. It operates yeah. on its a separate plane. But that's so, that's what I'm saying. I think the I think the trace I think the trace um charm or whatever it is to detect it is it's it's a very basic thing. Is like is But then ma- every person with a house elf would be I, triggering the trace. I think yeah. Dobby did it on purpose because he was trying to get Harry expelled, so he made it seem like it was Harry like he did something so it seemed like it was Harry. So he was trying to mimic Harry's magic on purpose? Is yeah. that okay. what you're saying? Yes. Huh. I, I because will he was trying to get him Rowling to be expelled. Not it wasn't just about the cake. It was he just used the cake as a thing. Yeah. He wanted it to seem like Harry was doing the magic so he would get the letter. Yeah. Huh. I'm, I'm, I I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll That's buy it for I JK think. Rowling. I don't think <laughs> I think <laughs> I no, well I I will buy it because I think it's a great theory on your part to save JK Rowling. But if JK Rowling had said it, I don't think I would believe it. Like I don't think but, I would buy but it. But like that was the whole point of Dobby being there was to Right, no, I agree his motivations work out, but I don't know if he has like the ability to do that slash it's like I, I was doing it I was doing it to mimic so you, like, it's just, I don't think J.K. Rowling had that in mind kind of thing. Like, it's a lot of, and then she wouldn't, ex, she didn't explain that. I don't that. think maybe to that detail, but I think the idea was, like, I'm going to do magic so it looks like Harry did magic. Correct. Like, but I'm saying level. in terms of, like, her thinking out her rules of magic, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. in the second book. It's, I don't yeah, think. it's yeah. too yeah. much. Yeah. And it's sloppy for her. I think, like, because I think if she had gone through that much detail... It would have been somehow included in the in in, in the explanation of it. I think there are some things that she just doesn't. She like leaves un, unexplained, like because it's magic, like which I'm fine with. Like I don't think that's sloppy. I think right. it's just like right. But let's I think make it this is sloppy because when even saying oh this is excused because it's magic is fine as long as she follows her own rules of magic in her universe. That's why I get so angry about the time turner shit and yeah. cursed child cuz I'm fine with things being like this is our plot because of magic, but yeah. I'm like but you didn't follow your own rules. But of I think magic. Yeah. that it was I hate, pretty consistent. I hate when that happens when they have like some because sort of like rule, yeah. are superseding wizard magic all the time. Right, but him mimicking wizard magic isn't superseding wizard magic. It is turning his elf magic into a wizard magic, but, which is... But I think, but I I, but I think I elf magic... I didn't really say that. That was more... No, but no, 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 no. <laughs> but I'm saying that is kind of what you're saying because it would have to be mimicked well enough so that the... Yeah, you I did, don't know. You did oh, it on you're, purpose. You did it on... You I think it. he did it on purpose, but I, I guess I didn't word it like that. Like, that's not how I was thinking so, about how, it. So how were you thinking, thinking about it? Again, yeah. at more surface level, just like... I don't know. I just like... Yeah. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, but do you guys, what, what do you guys think of like the, just the general concept of like the I underdeveloped think, brains is what's, yeah, I yeah. think that's cool. Except for the exact timing thing. Yeah. I think that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, there's, hole, there's really no good because, because like nothing. I'd like to discuss it more on another episode because yeah. I'm not sold on it to be honest. And honestly, something, something that is, happens at an exact age is really hard to, to explain biologically because, uh, or, or scientifically in general, because everything has a margin of error. Everything does. And especially, also, like, especially biologically. Age and, like, time is, like, man-made. So, like... I mean, so, I mean... Like, I'm, so we can... Well, so, in terms like of... You get, in terms and, of, like, the number... Like, ter- the number of oh, years... The number, to, yes, yeah, the yeah. number is man-made. So, so, like, but, like, we can assume based on, like, 
time on earth that like yes yes yes, yes. accumulated this is the standard time but it's always like between like 25 and 26 you know what i'm saying like yeah. you can't pinpoint the hour of the stroke of midnight and, and that's 17. how and that's how it was portrayed is like yes, at the stroke of midnight on your yeah. 17th birthday that's when the trade and nothing biological or phys- or physics related or or really anything is going to be able to uh, do that. well unless you had like some kind of like molecular timer but that's getting way too well that's what I was trying to like give as an out is that like because it's magic it has its own kind of like, molecular timer within your magical right. but that's, but that's why I think it's an external thing not an but that but thing. exactly that couldn't be an internal thing at that point it would mm-hmm. have to yeah right. But I'd be happy to discuss it more. I'm not sold, but I'm thinking personally it's more external. I think it's a great uh, thought experiment. I and that, and that's what I've been doing with all of these, really. Right. It's just it's just run it, it just like especially with the lycanthropy. When you guys posed me that, I was just like, I was like, okay, let's make some assumptions about about lycanthropy and then just see where that takes me. And I just I love doing that. And I I mean I honestly, we knew who to call. We knew, we knew the exactly who to call. And I also I just am in such. I'm in such awe, like I said earlier, um, of like all of this research and how your brain is able to like take a concept in a magical book and then like connect it. To, no, in, yeah, to, in like a very yeah. in a grounded way. Yes, yeah. and yeah, I I am generally except for potentially this last one, which yeah. we would need to no, we, we would, just need yeah. to parse it out a little bit more. Yeah, I am now. sold on all of it. I'm like, yes, that's how that works. <laughs> Fred and George are geniuses, just like Doctor Possler. And they're and they're a bit maniacal because everything they're doing is dangerous. Correct. But we tell everybody to listen to the Science is Magical episodes. So yeah, we do. Well, thanks, Alrighty. guys. In the meantime, y'all stay magical. Charmed, I'm sure. And remember, science is magical. It sure is. Mischief managed. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum.